Get your head out of the clouds Get your feet back on the ground Get stuck into pop culture With Stick Around Hello there and welcome to Stick Around The podcast that goes to Glastonbury, parties till 6am and shouts fuck the Tories Brought to you by Cockwobbles, the funky fresh electronic sludge duo the critics are calling Crustaceous. Did you see them at, um, at Coachella, Michael? I did Cock- not. I missed, I missed Cockwobbles. Or Wobbles. <laughs> um, I think it depends d- Depends where you go as to whether they're Cockwobbles or Wombles. Oh, right, uh, okay. But, um, yeah, the, the, they've been described as Crustaceous, Jurassic... Um, you know all the all the you know prehistoric eras, right? Um, <laughs> un, unique what are the other sounds. Ones? Um, <laughs> Triassic. Oh, he had another one. Of although, although Triassic doesn't really work because they're a duo, you know. I do. I do. I always felt that um, you know Jurassic Park the sequels should have been named after the different eras. Triassic Park. Yeah, whatever. exactly. But would be much better. <laughs> people are too stupid, though. It's a bit like when Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone was rebranded the Sorcerer's Stone in America. Because publishers didn't think that kids could cope with the word philosopher, which is stupid. <laughs> well, American kids couldn't. Way up. <laughs> right, you're here. F- you're here for stick around music episode twenty. Twenty is it? Right. Okay, the yeah. big two o. <laughs> um, I'm here with two musical experts today. Uh, not musical. Uh, music. Uh, Michael John- <laughs> Michael Johnson. Hello. And Clive Fisher. Hello. Yeah, our musical expert, um, James Cable, is currently away, although he may make a turnout, we'll see. Yeah. He's left, his, he's left it a mystery. Yeah, he's um, he's been putting some bridge building over the podcast, which... Which, yeah, shambolic. Shambolic, yeah. I mean, uh, if he wants to get back on this boat, you know, he's going to have to do some grovelling, but we'll, we'll let him back if he's got something to say. If he's, Yeah, if, we, if we've got an engineering problem on the boat, we might need him back. Yeah, we've um, we've got... We've actually got a piece of piece of fan mail to read out, so I'm gonna I'm gonna start with that. Oh uh, wow! First, it's actually you know it's one of those le- letters in a bottle we've been talking about that have come to our pirate <laughs> galleon, uh, and it's by a very famous fan as well, friend of the show, Roy Buttersby. Um, fresh off the 25th book in the Felcher series, Alaskan Pipeline, coming in, <laughs> coming coming in at a lean 1,102 pages. Um, he sent me a poem that he'd like us to read out. Um, on, so so I'll, do, I'll do my best. It's called Bouncer's Lament. Uh, Roy's, Roy's put a little, um, a little, you know, description. Apparently, it's an ode, if you like, from a bouncer who's thinking how his night went wrong. So uh, I'll, do, I'll give it my best shot. I haven't read poetry since I was sixteen, but we'll we'll see we'll see how it goes. Okay. And he's long gone when he's next to me. And I realise the blame is on me. Because I knew you were trouble when you walked in. So so shame on me. Flew me to places I'd never been. Till you put me down. Oh, I knew you were trouble when you walked in. Are you... Are you... Are you... Are you... Are you fucking kidding me, Roy? Those are the lyrics to Taylor Swift. I knew you were trouble. I mean, what is he thinking? I mean... It's, I'm beginning to, you know, consider the credentials of the Felcher series possibly lifted from Frederick Forsyth, uh, Swallow. Uh, who knows? Um, that'll be the last time that we get poetry read, read out on this. Um, I'm sorry, I, I do apologise. I'm embarrassed by that. Um, what? Right, I'm going to leave I think that. it's some of the best lyrics of, of the last 20 years. Yeah, I mean, I can understand where it's coming from, but, you know, for Roy to try and claim credit for that... Yeah, true. Jesus, Jesus. That That is a shambles, right. quite frankly. Okay, Roy, you better get your act up for book number 26. Uh, right, well, t- <laughs> t- t- to rescue us from that, um, let's go to Michael Johnson with his first musical review. music review. Well, thank you very much. I don't know how to follow that, to be honest. Um, but I'll try. Um, so, uh, well... In a way, this is bad timing because I'm, I'm planning to get hold of quite a few albums this weekend, so I'll be well stocked up for the next music podcast. 
But today I just thought I'd talk about uh, the last two albums, uh, um, the last two new albums uh, that I heard. By new I don't mean new releases, I just mean the last two albums that I discovered, if you like. Uh, the first is a couple of years old, um, fairly big indie release, uh, Currents by Tame Impala, ah. which is um, essentially the recording name of Australian musician Kevin Parker. Uh, he's fully at the helm for this album, uh, which he hadn't been on the two previous Tame Impala albums. Uh, he wrote, recorded, produced and mixed the whole thing. This is the first time that he'd mixed uh, the material. Um, the previous two albums, Inner Speaker and Lonerism, um, basically were in a psychedelic rock vein, but um, I think there was there was more to them than that. Uh, I always thought they sounded very well produced and were pretty poppy. Um, so although this album uh, adds elements of R&B, disco, and has a very synth-oriented sound to it uh, throughout, I still feel that it continues in a psychedelic tradition in some ways and I can still trace the sound, the same sound of the first two albums through this one so I think it's not as big a jump as it has been um, interpreted as in some circles um, but it is, still, it is still a step forward certainly and it is a, something of a change of sound uh, Parker has a, a, a long history of um, studio trickery, uh, he's mentioned that he likes, he, he likes to try and disorient the listener um, so that it's not really clear what, which instrument they're listening to at a given time. So I think um, playing around with different elements and different instruments on this album um, really fits in well with what he'd been doing on previous albums in a more traditional psychedelic rock style. Um, I think there's an, there's an interesting quote that I came across from him in the production of this album where he said that he, um, he, he began to feel like songs uh, outside of the psychedelic genre could still house the same qualities of that genre while being part of a different genre, something that he apparently discovered while listening, listening to Staying Alive by the Bee Gees while on Mushrooms. Um, <laughs> as you do. Uh, lyrically, the album uh, is... Um, this was interesting. interesting concept. It's influenced by the Saturn return, which wasn't something that I was aware of, which is apparently the point at which uh, Saturn first arrives back at the exact point... Um, that it was at a person's birth, which typically takes place between the 27th and 29th years of a person's life. So I thought that was quite interesting. Uh, it's been largely defined as a break-up album. Um, I notice we don't have any, there's, there's never any hook-up albums, is there? They're all always break-up ones. Um, yeah, that's true actually. Yeah. Yeah. So it's harder to write happy. It's harder to write happy music, isn't it? I suppose. Yeah, that's obviously where the artistic energy is. Is so. So that's what how this has been interpreted, anyway. But um, the album also got me thinking about notions of what we consider progressive music, because I think ten, twelve years ago, there were a wave of um, bands such as Coed and Cambria, the Mars Volta, um, and more metalcore style bands like the Dillinger Escape Plan who were considered a new wave of progressive music. But I've seen Tim and Parlor described as progressive in some. Uh, some some instances and to me really this this doesn't fit in so much with that style of music but it's it's more pop at heart I would say a uh, track on this album like eventually comes straight out of the Beach Boys playbook in terms of um, style but the album's reminiscent of a wide variety of artists I thought while listening to it everyone from Giorgio Moroder to The Rapture definitely um, some of their earliest material vocally I thought Parker was sometimes reminiscent of John Frusciante um but there's a whole there's a whole wealth of literature about the creation of this album and the mindset that Parker had while he was um, on the mission of creating it, and uh, I think there's really a lot to delve into. That's very interesting, the artistic process behind this one, uh, and he clearly pushed himself somewhat out of his comfort zone, um, saying he tried to play with elements that he hadn't used before, like drum machines. Um, the opening track "Let It Happen" is one of the biggest in terms of length on the album. There's a lot of ecstatic vocal layering towards the end that really reminded me of Daft Punk. I'm talking about the Discovery era Daft Punk, really, rather than the um, the more nostalgic recent Random Access Memories era Daft Punk, which this album has been compared to a lot. But I always, I, I think that album's somewhat overrated. I'm not a huge fan of that Daft Punk album, the most recent one, and I think it it was more of a dusty album that was quite a chore to listen to at times for me personally I know that'll be controversial to a lot of people but compared to that album I think Currents is a very joyous album to listen to much easier uh, and really flows quite seamlessly 
The Less I Know The Better is one of the best tracks on the album, I would say. has a mighty earworm of a riff. Uh, fits together superbly. That's an excellent track. And the, the songs, in terms of quality, they just start to stack up towards the end. Every track is really in melodic overdrive. Parker's talked a lot about his love of um, chart pop music, as well as you know, 60s psychedelic pop that I was referring to earlier when I mentioned the Beach Boys. Um, so that's not really a surprise. And in, in conclusion, I'd say the album is one that's bursting with possibility, really displays the subtle growth of the songwriting dynamics behind Parker's music. And he's he's now, at this point, three albums deep with Tame Impala. He's an artist, I would say, on a, a quite ferocious streak of albums. It'd be very interesting to see what the next one sounds like and um, how that comes across. It's a big, big pop album. Um, and to be honest, there's a word I'm going to have to dig out to you to describe it, especially oh, with the Oh, here it goes. Here it is, kaleidoscopic. Oh, oh wow. Which, by the way, since the last music podcast, I've seen two different people use one of them in Uncut magazine. So, <laughs> so are you accusing the Uncut magazine of plagiarism, Michael? No, it's, it's that, that influence. That's what it is. <laughs> I agree. Yeah, but um, it's a word that has to be used here, I'm afraid. Uh, no apologies for that. Unavoidable. Um, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> And uh, Parker is, um, I mean, by all accounts, is something of a perfectionist. Um, the album was delayed by, while he tinkered with it, and he apparently still considers, considers it to be unlistenable, but I'm glad to say he's very wrong. So I'm a big fan of this one, yeah. Any thoughts on this, Clive? Um, yeah, I think I rev- I'm pretty sure I've reviewed this on a previous podcast. It would have been a while ago, probably two years ago when it came out. Did you say it was two years? Oh, okay. I yeah, I didn't. Re- it I doesn't didn't, feel that long ago. <laughs> I didn't remember that. I think the intro. The thing about that is, I hadn't listened to any Term Impala albums at the time, which is probably why yeah, I, I think, really recall. Yeah, I remember you saying you hadn't, and you were yeah. going to. Yeah, it, it was a while ago because it was. When, I'm pretty sure it was like when it came out. Um, yeah. And yeah, I was a big fan of it. I particularly remember mentioning the uh, production. Like you say, the perfectionist. Mm. I remember it say, saying it made it just like made my headphones sound absolutely amazing. And, you know, they're pretty good, but <laughs> I was like, <laughs> wow, you know, the production on it is really, really good. And having done a bit of sound engineering myself, I know exactly the feeling of tinkering with shit. And then you put it out there and you think you still think it sounds crap just because you overanalyze it to death. And it's really hard to be objective when you've <laughs> listened to it so many, so many times. But um, it totally doesn't sound crap. It sounds absolutely amazing. I think it's one of the best, in terms of production, one of the best things I've heard for ages, which to me shows that, because he's not, I mean, he's a, you know, he's a producer, but he's not professional, whatever, sound engineer or anything. Yeah. Um, I think it shows that you can make, and I think uh, Bon Iver shows this as well, because he does a lot of his own mixing. Uh, it shows that you can do that really, really well without having the, you know, necessarily the professional pedigree um, mm. and often make it a bit more interesting because <laughs> you probably yeah. do things in different ways but yeah I think it's brilliant and I, I pretty much agree with you yeah, I think it is I don't think it's particularly progressive I think it is pretty poppy yeah. uh, and I definitely get the Beach Boys vibes I always think that it sounds a bit like John Lennon at points mm-hmm. Partic- yeah. I, th- I think probably more so on the first two albums yeah but probably still, yeah. I think, still a um, bit on this one <laughs> Anything in this sort of style eventually comes back to the Beatles, I think. So yeah, yeah. I definitely see that comparison. Yeah, it's just yeah. It's, I think it's his tone of voice or something. Always mm-hmm. reminds me of Lennon. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's yeah, and yeah, I, like you, I can see a sort of direct line from the first two albums. I didn't listen to them as extensively, but yeah, it wasn't. It was kind of like I don't know. It's one of those where it's a departure in terms of the instrumentation, but not really in the style. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Yeah, definitely, yeah. Yeah, which I think some people are like, oh, this is really different, but it's like, well, not really, they've just changed some of the instruments. <laughs> yeah, but, I, uh, mean, I mean, I'm not even sure, like, referring to sort of what I said about Parker's idea of people not really being sure what, what they're listening to exactly, I'm not sure if, without reading a lot about it, obviously I could, certainly a lot more disco influence, I thought, but without reading around the album, I'm not even sure if I would have picked up on it as much. I think it does, it, it certainly fits into the same vein as the, the first two albums, in my opinion. Yeah, it does. I mean, it's definitely like way more electronic and stuff. For the first two, sound more bandy. You yeah, know what I mean, but <laughs> yeah, but yeah, yeah, it's definitely a really, really good album. One yeah. of the best things to come out for a while. So it's cool that you uh, cool that you've listened to it. Yeah, absolutely. Just a recent one for me, but um, it's it's always good to get round to something and enjoy it this much. Yeah, yeah, good on, good on the dance floor too. It came on at a club. Uh, on, All right, yeah, one of the few club nights I was <laughs> been well, on in the you've... last. Do you think yeah. you'd break dance to this one, Michael? Oh, I'm almost <laughs> certain. 
See, people think I'm joking there, but he he's literally breakdanced in the last you know month or so. All oh, right, not well. Are you learning to breakdance or no? no. Absolutely just not. Went for it. Oh, yeah. Right. <laughs> no, he just seized the moment. I wasn't even there. I've heard this secondhand, and I would I would uh, honest, I would honestly pay probably legitimately twenty pounds to have been there. <laughs> um. Apparently he just offered to break dance while absolutely hammered. So everyone was like, "Yeah, yes, please, yeah, we'll take that. Um, we'll yeah, take to see I mean, Michael Johnson break dance." Definitely wouldn't turn that down. Yeah, that sounds like a deal. That did happen. Yeah. Right. Okay. Um, let's move on then, Clive. What are you going to talk to us about first of all? Um, well, from an album that you could break dance to to one that you absolutely definitely couldn't. Um, Ooh, I'm going to talk about. Don't know about that. <laughs> Sounds like a I'm challenge. pretty sure when I explain it, I'm pretty sure you'll agree. Um, it's yeah. I'm going to talk about all 2017 releases. I've been listening to shit tons this year. I think I've listened to more albums from this year than I have any other year already, and it's only June. So I've been listening to loads of stuff. Um, this is one I've actually only just listened to this week, but um, it's Mount Erie by. Sorry, wrong around. It's a crow looked at me by Mount Erie. Um, Phil Elverum, uh, who is Mount Erie, kind of much like uh, the dude from Tame Impala is Tame Impala. Um, he lost his wife, who died of cancer aged 35, um, leaving Elverum and his year-and-a-half-old daughter behind her. Um, he's a former former main songwriter and vocalist of The Microphones, which I only just realised um, on researching for this, um, who produced the critically loved The Glow Part 2 in 2001, which... Whenever I've looked at sort of best albums of the 2000s, always comes up. I've never listened to it myself, but um, it's one of those that always comes up, which is why I recognise the band name. Um, and this is his ninth album as a Mount Erie. And the first, I have listened to other songs of Mount, like Mount Erie songs, which I've enjoyed, but I've never really listened to a full album, uh, which is unusual because I usually pretty much always just listen to albums. I don't really do playlists or individual songs, but I think it's like, you know, when Spotify carries on uh, and starts playing random things. <laughs> that sound a bit like something else. Some Mount Airy songs have come on, so I've heard some before. But um, I, I picked this as I think it's like, I think it's a really interesting album to discuss because uh, Phil himself described it as barely music um, in an interview. Um, it was, uh, as far as I can see from various reviews I've read, um, recorded in the bedroom where his wife died and consists mainly of um, vocals and really, really sparse guitars with the sort of odd other instrument here or there. Um, there's rarely any sort of strumming pattern. He just kind of strums chords in a really sparse manner, leaving lots of silence in between. And over the top of this, he kind of, he more or less talks, but in very gentle melodies that sound pretty much as if they were made up as if, uh, um, up as the thoughts kind of birthed in his head, or, or at least the thoughts came out his mouth, because if it's anything like me, the thoughts go around your head and then when you come to writing a song they kind of come out at random <laughs> at random influence but it's not as if you've never had that thought before um so he's kind of it sounds kind of really raw in that way but like he's just kind of coming up with a melody as it's kind of coming out it's an album of really it's just achingly sad and raw honest thoughts and the lack of production and structure to the uh, songs echoes this i think really really well i mean the whole album is Every every song on it is about his wife's death, essentially, or the you know his grief of dealing with it, um, and it's quite in most of the songs he mentions like how long after the death he's talking. So he'll say like it's been a month at some point, or it's been a month and four days, or always usually pr very accurate. And you get this kind of and it it seems to be as long as the album goes on, it's longer away from the death. Um, it's for me on my I listened to it on the way home from work on a couple of days ago for the first time and I was just the first song which is called Real Death um I knew pretty much instantly that I was thinking I'm not sure I'm going to be able to cope with this for 40 minutes because um within the first 3 minutes 3 minute song he's talked of entering the room that um she used to be in and feeling kind of emptiness he talks of receiving something she'd ordered as a surprise for her child um a school bag which obviously the child will only be able to use in two years' time, so she knew she knew she wasn't going to be there for that, but she wanted to order the as a surprise. And he talks about how he kind of falls down weeping on his doorstep upon getting this um, thing, and it's just full of like this really powerful imagery and sense of just utter utter sadness about um, this 
just like you know life-changingly sad and horrible event um it's all really really simple uh on the song front but the imagery is always beautifully sad it's the the kind of album that for me is uh, on initial listen i thought it was a little bit like requiem for a dream like i was like this is brilliant but i don't know how many times i can listen to it because it's that heavy um just because it's it's not even there are metaphors in it but often it's just so on the nose and it just really puts you into what he's feeling like and the way he sings it and everything like he doesn't hide it behind any sort of melodies like i say it's just coming out kind of uh in a really raw way he's almost i think doing it to melodies or song structures would have almost limited what he's trying to say where he's Whereas the way he's doing it is it's coming out almost like a conversation and how he feels about it. And he's just uh, using the guitar as a almost a way to make him feel more comfortable at talking about it. Um, well, that's the way I came. I thought about it. Um, it's been the album's been generally acclaimed across the board. Um, it's been one of the sort of highest rated uh, albums of the year. And I definitely think in terms of like I say, it's not a, I wouldn't say it's an enjoyable listen, but I think it's a really, really affecting listen and a a really sort of beautiful piece of art about not just I mean often death and this is a, something a pitchfork review which uh, I'll bring up later brings about often like in films and things it's used as a like oh I feel sad right now because this character has died and then you kind of move on but um this album really brings up how it's death isn't just a thing that happens and then you move on from it you know particularly for this is in this case they've been together for 13 years you know this is a massive part of his life that's just gone um and the the grief from that and the life-changingness of that doesn't just go away it just lasts it kind of stays with you for for a long long time and possibly forever and it kind of deals with that that kind of uh those kind of ideas which i thought was really really interesting and the the one criticism I read of it was that it didn't really add any perspective, like it didn't have any outside view of the situation. But I kind of think that's the whole point. Like I think it's not something that happens and then a few months later you get perspective over it. I think the grief of a loss like this uh, drags on and on and it's it's real. And it's the whole point of the album is it, that it's coming from someone that's in this situation and doesn't really have the perspective of uh, someone from the outside who doesn't feel all this grief. Um, and I think that's why the album is so effective it just it just feels so real and I think he's tried that's obviously what he's trying to do in terms of recording it in that room and uh he's just trying to get it to feel as authentic uh as possible which is something I think sometimes you know authenticity gets thrown around a bit too much and it's not sometimes made a bigger deal than it actually is but I think in this case it make, makes the album really really good and um yeah it's possibly in terms of <laughs> Uh, it's sort of singularity and things like that. Probably my favourite album of the year so far, just because it stands out from everything else. Like I've not really heard. I think there's been quite a few sort of albums about this kind of thing recently. Um, last couple of years, like Carrie and Lowell by Sufjan Stevens was about the death of his stepmom, but that had much more sort of. Uh, I don't want to uh, pan it and say conventional songs because that's fine, but um, it had more. It felt more conventional. Um, this feels like I can't think of anything else that sounds like this. Um, it just kind of, like he says, it's barely music, but it kind of stretches that definition of music. Um, but it's just a, a really affecting listening experience. Um, on a side note, I'd recommend. I've already mentioned Mike Powell uh, of Pitchfork does a really kind of thoughtful review on it. Um, he makes the kind of uplifting point at the end that although the album is on the surface very sad, he sees uh, Genevieve, that's his wife's death. Um, kind of makes Phil see other things more clearly like he talks a lot about the imagery of birds and dreams and he attaches all these things to her death and lots of things remind him of her death but in the end I think um, what the point that Mike Powell makes is that the album is really about appreciating what you have that, and that nothing is guaranteed and I, I kind of like that take and I think that might be something that um, comes to me on listening to it more times and that will maybe once I have that view of it I'll find it more listenable in terms of repeat listens but I totally think um, everyone should listen to it. I think it's a really beautiful thing. And it's definitely not something you can put on in the background. You've, you've got to pay full attention to it because it's it's almost offensive not listening, giving it full attention because he's put so much emotion into this thing. Um, yeah, totally recommend it. A really unique album. And I'll be checking out some more of... Um, I'm probably going to start with that Microphones album, actually, but some more Mount Erie stuff as well. So, yeah, recommended. 
Wow, it sounds sounds very powerful. Um, the one thing that you know, I'm a fairly music layman in this respect. One thing that reminded you reminded me of. So, Foma talks about um, earlier in the year, Manchester by the Sea. You were talking yeah. about how uh, you know certain things you don't just get over, and I think um, what you tend to find in a lot of narratives, uh, you kind of get false conclusions where people suddenly just mm. get over things. Yeah. Um, I mean, Manchester by the Sea is about a man who basically through I'm not going to spoil it but through his own negligence is responsible for the loss of his own child um, mm. and you don't get over something like that necessarily and I think it's nice to see you know you know, neat conclusions and um, it sounds like you know this this album isn't just about him immediately getting over what is obviously a cataclysmically no, devastating event I think that's what this person who was criticising it was wanting it to be, but it's like, you know, life isn't Hollywood. <laughs> uh, it is. Something like this is, is horrendous, and I think that's it's good that you know, there's a piece of art uh, that recognises that and just gives an honest... He's not trying to be like, oh, you know, go on about how strong he is and how he's getting over this. He's perfectly honest about how much it's affecting him, and I think that's, for me, was a much more <laughs> interesting take on on death than something that's a bit more like, oh, well, you know, I've got over it now and I've learnt all these things from it. Like he, at some points he says, that right at the start he's saying, death is death is real and, you know, I don't feel there's any lessons to be learnt from this. I don't feel there's any art to be made out of it. Um, and he just goes on to make, which I suppose bears the question, does he think that the album is art at all or is it just a cathartic kind of <laughs> uh, saying of his feelings? I don't know, but it's really interesting. I think... It'll be an interesting album to do as like where everyone listens to it and has a kind of discussion on it. Because it, like I say, I do think it stretches the boundaries of kind of the definition of music. But I think that's one of the great things about music. You can, you know, there's so many different ways to go about it. You can go about it in trying to get people with catchy hooks or you can do something which affects people like this or you can do something which stretches boundaries by just amalgamating loads of different things or, you know, there's tons of different ways to do it. Yeah, well, that's a, well, sounds like a powerful experience, and it sounds like it's something an album you probably have to listen to personally. I imagine um, it sounds like the sort of thing I'd want to listen to with headphones on. By myself. Yeah, that's what uh, I recommend. Yeah, and just set aside forty minutes the way you're not going to get distracted. <laughs> and I was lucky that my bus journey was exactly forty minutes, and I just had it on and did nothing else. And mm. yeah, have you? Um, is is this something you're familiar with, Michael? No, but I'm sure we'll be discussing it again because it is an album I wanted to hear already. Um, it's had a lot of attention. Uh, and I think um, th- there is usually a, at least one album a year that gets this much attention and really hits people in the gut. Clive mentioned Carrie and Lawler's a- another one. Um, mm-hmm. I think Benji by Sun Kill Moon was probably another one uh, the year before yeah, that. Sure. But um, yeah, the- but this does sound very interesting musically. Or, or non-musically, if you, as you as you mentioned, as well yeah. as um, obviously the emotional heft that's clearly behind it. Uh, so I will I will definitely be listening to it at some point. I also didn't know about the connection to the microphones, um, but my my fun hipster fact for the day is that the Glow Part Two, I think, is the most recent Pitchfork album of the year that I haven't heard before. Oh, okay. <laughs> so there you go. Yeah, there we go. So maybe I should listen to that too. Yeah, I'm definitely going to listen to it. Um, it's I've always I, the cover's quite well to me quite iconic. It's got like an elephant, cartoony elephant on the front, and I've always it's always one of those yeah. that stands out when I see it. But I've just never got around to listening to it. Mm-hmm. But so, now I definitely will. Yeah. Right. Excellent. Um, okay, so we'll move on, um, possibly to a completely different album tonally. I have no idea. Uh, Michael, what else have you got for us? Yeah, well, you're certainly correct there. Um, I'm going to talk about a hip-hop album that I just happened to hear for the first time recently. Um, the debut solo album, N-O-R-E, by um, rapper Noriega. Um, just one of a wealth of hip-hop albums from the 1990s that um, may not always be significant genre albums, but usually hit pretty hard or uh, are entertaining to listen to, at least. Um, Noriega was one half half of the uh, the hip hop duo Capone and Noriega, who, in my mind at least, were affiliated to Nas, who by the uh, this came, this album came out in nineteen ninety eight had released two classics himself, 
Um, a lot of the production on this album is handled by the producers that Nas was messing with a lot at that time, Trackmasters, L.E.S. Um, but what, what first brought the album to my attention, although I'd heard of Noriega, was um, it's, uh, the, the, the opening track, Banned from TV, uh, is a posse cut which uh, is backed by a blazing beat from Swizz Beats, who isn't one of my uh, favourite producers or anything like that. Um, but he, he was an emerging producer at this time, um, probably best, probably gained his biggest boost, I would say, career-wise, from his production of um, Rough Riders Anthem by DMX from his debut album, It's Dark and Hell is Hot, which came out around about the same, same time as this. That's usually a pretty well-respected album um, among hip-hop heads for the style that it is um, and for that time frame. But I, I actually found that album um, quite quite dull when I listened to it. I think I probably prefer this one, which would be a minority opinion. Uh, but it was the, it was the, the it, there's a trademark sound to Swizz Beats' early material that I think is um, very interesting. Uh, even though he would, so, in my opinion, he would fizzle out as a producer. So it was coming across that beat and that track that first brought this album to my attention. Um, the the album that I mentioned uh, by DMX, it's Dark and Hell is Hot. Dame Grease is a producer in a similar style from uh, from this period. He appears on uh, with production on one track on this album, which is a Nas feature, Body in the Trunk. Um, the album, this album is also notable for being um, one of the first productions by the Neptunes, who of course uh, are best known for obviously Pharrell Williams being a member. Um, the pr production supergroup, uh, they produced the track Super Thug on this album, which was um, a hit as well and really brought brought them to the attention of the hip hop world. Uh, and it's basically the essence of Neptune's distilled into a beat. Um, it's it's that thrashy, funky um, style of beat that they would become to, they would come to be so well known for uh, and build a career out of essentially. Uh, but I would say the best produced track uh, is a track called "The Assignment," featuring Busta Rhymes and one-time hip hop star Mace. Um, which is, on the other hand, by completely unknown producers, to me at least, Nashia Mirick and Jay Wax Garfield. So it just shows you never know where a really great beat's going to come from. Much of the other production on the album is a mix of twinkling pianos and plasticine bangers that are really typical of this era of well-funded but artistically aimless albums, as I would describe them, uh, which, of which this is ultimately one. Um, I always think they have a very overly synthetic drum sound, the production of these big-budget hip-hop albums uh, of the late 90s. Uh, some of the notable tracks, uh, the title track, N-O-R-E, The Change, Mathematics, they all sound like, uh, music-wise like DJ Premier knockoffs, but DJ Premier in the late 90s is po possibly my favourite hip-hop producer of all time, so that's no bad thing, uh, not a bad producer to try and emulate. Um, I would say... The, the production sustains the record, as I've discussed about so many hip-hop albums before. Um, it's it's not exactly daring production, uh, but it's not boring or beneath the artist. Um, Noriega doesn't have anything to say lyrically. It's your, your typical um, thugged-out hip-hop style lyrics of that period. But um, I, I would say if you compare it to an album of six years later that I've, I've pulled out as an example, uh, Purple Haze by Cameron who um, features on the track band on TV on this album. Um, it's it's the same sort of topics being covered lyrically, but uh, an artist like Noriega doesn't have the flaw, the charisma, to shine on the same level that Cameron does on that album, which is considered something of a classic, Purple Haze, even though music-wise this is probably, not in the same vein, but very much typical of its era, produced by a number of emergent producers. And um, I think ultimately that, that it is... It's just a lack of edge on the on the lyrical style that brings this down. Uh, but that isn't to say that it isn't um, an entertaining album to listen to. I would say it's slightly underrated, not considered um, a very well-known or greatly respected album. But it is, at the end of the day, it's just one of an embarrassment of 90s hip-hop albums. There were so many, uh, so much great, but at least, at least very listenable material from that period, both mainstream and underground. So I would say this is worth a spin. Nothing amazing, but it does have some interesting production for people who are interested in the early material from some of the producers that are named. Cool. Right. Yeah, very cool. Um, I, as usual, cannot claim to have much knowledge of this. Clive, I know you're not a huge hip-hop head. That's a term I wasn't aware of, by the way. Um, <laughs> really? I, yeah. Are you uh, Are you familiar with this at all, Clive? 
Um, no, no, I'm not. No, obviously, I'm familiar with some of the names mentioned. Nas, of course. <laughs> yeah, well, as now, am I. But now's probably a good time to mention I'll be seeing him Nas live in two weeks. So I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, whereabouts? Uh, in Leeds. Oh, cool. Um, okay. So I, mean, I, I mentioned there that by 1988, uh, Nas had released two classics. They are basically his only classics. So for me, he's you know he's he's released a lot of middling material since then. But he is something of a legend and does have many great tracks after that, at least, um, under his belt. So it should be mm. a good set, I would have thought. Definitely worth seeing once, I'd imagine. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, Il, I've talked about Illmatic before, which is my favourite hip-hop album. So Yeah. He, yeah. I've been listening to a bit more of it, but, yeah, this isn't something that I've heard of. Yeah. It, interesting. It, I'm, always, it, I'm always interested, particularly in, like, the production side of things, like you say. Oh, yeah. I mean, that, like I've said before, they're... It, it's music at the end of the day, so it doesn't. It needs the production to be there. This isn't a good jumping-off point for uh, someone who's new to the genre, but um, yeah, it's still an interesting listen, especially any anything from the nineties because it's such a such a fertile patch for hip hop. So yeah. mm. right, excellent. Um, I believe Clive, you've got a bit of a of a roundup for us for your second. I have of the yes. Pod. Um, right, well, yes I have just another, some more, like I said I've been listening to loads of 2017 stuff so I just thought I'd listen. go give a quick round up of my favourite uh, ones five I think I've got here um, first up, Emperor X over Sleepers International, this is one that's got very little press but um, I really like it um, I saw this dude live um, I didn't realise it actually when I listened to the album until afterwards I, I read up and uh, looked at a picture and I was like, oh I swear I've seen that guy and uh, he was supporting um, Hotelier uh, we and Cable went to that gig and we both really enjoyed his set um, and he, I remember being a fan of his kind of weird charismatic performance this is the first album I've listened to and uh, I'm very impressed it's got really great kind of interesting lyrics um, endlessly catchy melodies which I like and I pretty much enjoy every song on here and how kind of up-tempo the album is as a whole also his transition from gentle singing to shouting is always great the production is a little thin for me, but it uh, doesn't take too much away from what is, in my opinion, a great and really interesting album. Uh, if you want to listen to a song to kind of get an idea of what the album's about, €30,000 is a good shout, um, which is an interesting song. <laughs> it's good. Um, next up, White Reaper. The world so, is best. one thing, Clive, did you, say, did you say it was called All the Sleepers International? Yes. That's, that's <laughs> just an instantly brilliant name. <laughs> I um, yeah, it is. I agree. <laughs> He's lyrically, he's quite mathy, and um, but yeah, he's, he's he's an interesting individual. Like I think he's, when I saw him, he I'm pretty sure he's quite uh, not blind, but very partially sighted. Like he was struggling to from oh. when he got into the crowd and stuff, um, and he's just he was just like a really really charismatic performer. Um, just, some would say weird, but <laughs> I, re- I really enjoyed it. Um, and yeah, this album's really, really good. And I think it's like I've not seen it get much. It's not been reviewed by many sort of outlets. And I think it needs a, a bit of press. I think it's really, really good, particularly if you're into. If I was going to stick it in a genre, I'd say it's kind of pop punky, I suppose. But it's a bit more gentle than that. And although at times it is also shouty, it's hard to describe. It's it's very accessible. I think a lot of people would like it. Um, White Reaper next, the world's best American band. The album's called uh, quite a big claim. Uh, <laughs> it reminds me of um, King Tough which is always a good thing for me I'm a big fan of King, King Tough um, it's pretty rare that a more straightforward like guitar rock album like this manages to stand out for me but this one does just that it's got really great riffs um, punchy vocals that are not sort of straight down the middle the, the vocals kind of give a, the album a bit more of a like a welcome less mainstream sound um, the songs are really well written and rarely outstay their welcome they're sort of short and punchy and it's an album that I've just had a lot of fun with. Uh, if you want to check out a song that's kind of encompasses what it's about, check out Judy French. Um, that's a really, really good song, and it's kind of, you know, got the catchy chorus and all that stuff that the album's about. Um, next, Charlie Bliss and Guppy. Um, they effortlessly blend like a very 90s pop indie rock sound with really catchy choruses and lyrics that kind of make them stand out. The, the lyrics are about, they've just got loads of interesting topics covered that you don't normally see covered in songs. and but it's also a really fun album on the surface. Like, it's the thing that you'll get on the first listen, but it's also got some depth to it. Uh, like, when you start get, getting into the lyrics, it's quite interesting, some of the things they cover. Um, on that one, I'd recommend the song Westermark. Um, this one, I can't remember if I mentioned it last time. I'm pretty sure I didn't. 
Um, I didn't according to the episode description, which, you know, normally I'm very accurate, so I'm going to go with it. Um, it's an album by a British band, Idols, I believe they're from Bristol, a uh, British sort of post-punk band, uh, Idols, and the album's called Brutalism. It's angry, funny, and brilliant. Um, I've not heard anything kind of this angry and loud for a while. At some points, it's even angrier than Sleaford Mods, which I didn't think was possible at the minute. But <laughs> yeah, I think you should check it out. Um, I, I love the lyrics the constantly furious vocal performance and just the band's ability to punk kind of really hard. Um, I often find post-punk uh, is a little bit boring. This doesn't fall into that. <clears throat> it's somehow... I don't know if it's with... I think it's kind of the second guitarist puts in some right interesting riff work and things which make it stand out a little bit more. <clears throat> and it's a little bit more dynamic than post-punk often is. But definitely check out the videos particularly for a song called Stendhal Syndrome because it's absolutely hilarious and it's clear that the band don't take themselves too seriously best song for me to listen to is the one called Mother which is essentially about um, misogynism and uh, you know fucking the Tories but <laughs> it's um, the video for that is just trashing loads of antiques for the entire video it's brilliant but the, the chorus is just two words, mother fucker, and it's brilliant. <laughs> and it, it just screams them over and over again. Uh, I love how much, sort of, um, uh, sorry, I love how much exposure Stendhal syndrome is getting lately. Lots, yes, lots it's, it's weird, a track it? named for it on their album as well. Absolutely, it? yeah. I was going to make that point, yeah. It, it was weird because I'd never heard of what it was and I was like, well, now I've got to look up what the hell it is because it's coming up. Yeah. By the way, sorry to interject here. Has anyone heard of a band? I was listening to um, BBC Radio Six the other day because you know I wanted to be hip, and uh, <laughs> and uh, they played a song by a band called Pigs, 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 Pigs. Yeah, I think I have heard of. I don't I've know anything about them, but yeah. I, I mean, like, I, I wonder why I'm why specifically seven times. You know, <laughs> it's quite yeah. good actually. It was quite a good track. I mean, in a you know BBC Sixy kind of way. Uh, <laughs> don't even know what that means. I've not listened to much Neither BBC Radio Six. I've heard they play. They played Sleaford Mods apparently, so you know they must be alright. Oh no! But basically, Sleaford Mods got on the radio. Yeah, they got on BBC Radio Six, but I think it's quite hip, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. But basically, <laughs> it's, it's it's a radio station with exceptional taste, but a little bit too much taste. Like you'd li- you'd like a banger just mixed in every now and again, but you know. Okay. It's just all like pigs times seven, and um, is that what you've shorted them to? Is it? Yeah, <laughs> pigs times seven. I like it. Catchy. So yeah, I'd recommend checking that out. And the last one, very quickly, um, the new Paramore album. Now, wow, <coughs> um, my throat's dried up here. I'm not historically a big fan of Paramore, but um, the new album After Laughter is <coughs> quite a departure. Um, it's probably one of the biggest surprises of the year for me. It's full of... Oh, Jesus, I think I'm going to have to get a drink. <laughs> right. Al, did you a... say you had a short... <laughs> <laughs> right, I've ran I... out of drink and my throat is literally about to die. Right, we'll have a little interjection here to talk yeah, about nice. a new regular feature. And by regular, I mean probably only going to happen on this pod. <laughs> Alex's gym playlist. Da, uh, da, so... da. Three songs that I've been playing on repeat while hammering out a sweaty workout. Three um, on repeat? Uh, well, th- this particular playlist is. Uh, okay. pretty Pretty short. It was knocked up very, you know... I'm, I'm going to make it longer each week. Um, so, first of all, I want you to know, uh, interject in, Michael, with whether you think this would help you, you know, hit maximum adrenaline. Okay. So the first track, Perth by Bon Iver. That's quite an interesting choice. That's a sweeping, majestic indie rock song. That's not not what I'd have down for the gym, personally. I, I don't know. It's just the you know the whole like I, I don't know if it's brass, but you know that kind of um, yeah, it's got a crescendo to it. Yeah. That crescendo that really builds me up. Um, Sorry, I'm so, back from getting some water. Uh, the gym playlist. Alex yeah, work, works out to the sounds of Justin Vernon. Uh, <laughs> I think you've mentioned that before. Yeah, yeah, per- Perth specifically. Um, the second song on my list, You're So Vain by by Carly Simon. You love you that song, don't you? It's my favourite pop song of all time. <laughs> and, and the third one's a very kind of, um, how shall we put it, um, narcissistic choice, um, but it's a classic. X Gonna Give It To You by DMX. Um, <laughs> but in my in my head, I'm singing the words as Alex Gonna Give It To You. Uh, so as, I'm pumping, as I'm pumping iron. <laughs> Jesus. 
This is easily the most times DMX has been mentioned on this podcast. <laughs> Twice in one episode. <laughs> yeah, that's not going to happen again. Um, Never. No. I mean, yeah, Bonnie Vare is controversial. But w- would the other two do it for you? Would they pump? Probably you up? more, a bit more up tempo. I tend to find if I listen to something, um, yeah, I need to be into it to listen to it while I'm running, or for at least for it to motivate me. <laughs> Usually, s- I just listen to DNA by Kendrick Lamar on repeat. <laughs> and that, that really gets me going. But <laughs> uh, X gone give it to you would that I mean that would pump anyone up? I think. I'm yeah. surprised that wasn't banned from clubs actually, like uh, Pal by Lethal Bizzle was, because it it started riots everywhere apparently. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit like um, oh shit, what's it called? Um, uh, shipping up to Boston by the Dropkick Murphys always makes me want to fight, and I'm not someone who's ever had. I've never had a fight in my life, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I just want to be involved in a huge big bar brawl while that's playing. Does <laughs> uh, the fact that. that it's associated with the Patriots make you want to fight more? Um, yeah, possibly. <laughs> It, it, I mean, it is a good song, let's be fair. It, oh, yeah. You know, that, that's why it's so tragic that, that it's involved with the Boston sports scene. <laughs> yeah, I mean, oh, God. Yeah, Boston as a place doesn't deserve the New England Patriots, and I don't mean that as a diss. It's, it's a great place. Uh, it's not that they don't deserve a winning team. They just don't deserve such a sort of vacuous, you know... An evil empire. Plastic-backed evil empire, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Anyway, we're going off topic here. This is music. Uh, right, <laughs> Clive, carry on with uh, your roundup. Oh, one question, Alex. Do, oh, does yeah, you, sure. Does, does your playlist have a name or not? Um, <laughs> no, it, it, no it, it doesn't, but uh, the reason you're making me laugh is uh, I'm looking at the other playlist that I've got, um, <laughs> and I, I'll, read you, I'll read you out some of the other names on the playlist. Um <laughs> Sweaty Superstars is another gym gym playlist I've got down here. Um, and uh, Gu- Guilty Pop Pleasures, uh, which is basically a compilation of feuding pop divas Taylor Swift and Katy Perry. <laughs> wow. Um, what name? What, what should I give this? So this playlist doesn't have a title. Do you have one you'd like to suggest? Oof. Put me on the no, spot I now. I think on that. Yeah, let me have to think about that, Michael, while I round up Paramore. Yeah, okay. Um, I think, I'm just trying to think, I was just thinking, I think this might be one of my vocally most demanding days, just because I've been shouting at children all day, then got home and practised some songs for about an hour, and now I'm doing a podcast. So I think think that's why it crumbled. (laughs) That's the first time it's happened where I literally can't speak anymore. (laughs) It was very odd. So... Paramore, possibly the biggest surprise of the year for me. Um, after laughter, the album's called. It's full of pop bangers and pretty consistent, although a little front-loaded. Um, there's not tons of depth here, but there's something to be said for sort of well-crafted pop songs. Al will probably agree that are just I fun do. to listen to, and uh, this is full of those. So you should probably check it out, Al. It might be a bit of a hit at the gym. Um, the, li- <laughs> the little lyrical content, uh, a bit like the Charlie Bliss album, is a little more, bit more interesting than a lot of straight pop. Um, no friend. Um, in terms of the negative, there's a song called No Friends, which is odd because I've no idea which Muppet decided to have the vocals of the um, the vocals in the song are by with the Me Without You singer. Uh, I didn't research his name because, you know, who wants to do research? But I'm a big fan of Me Without You, and I think he's got really good lyrics. But whoever's done it has mixed the, the singer so low that you can't hear his lyrics, which to me is just weird. And it sounds like, it makes it sound like an interlude, but it's like three minutes long and it comes second to last on the album. So I don't really get it. Um, And I'm not that into... I think the last song is one of the weaker songs. So if it wasn't for those last two songs, this would probably be up there with one of my favourite albums of the year because the rest of the album, in my opinion, is you know, just full of pop bangers and it's just really, really, really fun to listen to. And I ended up listening to it so much more than I expected. Particularly there's a song on it called Fake Happy about how, you know, people pretend to be happy all the time. And... um, I just think that song is really, really good. And there's also a song called Hard Times, which is, I think, getting some radio play at the minute, which just grooves really, really hard in the chorus. Um, yeah, really good album. And like I say, I'm not really a big Paramore fan, but this is quite different for what they normally do. And I do think Hayley Williams is a really, really good singer. And I think um, it works really well here. I think they've made a really kind of good pop. It's very disco, actually, um, but not in a shit way. <laughs> uh, yeah, not in a, you know, steps kind of way. 
Whoa, 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 whoa. But, um, whoa, don't you go telling me steps are all right, because they're not. (laughs) Were you not somebody who listened to, you know... Oh, my God, I hate steps. You hate them? Absolutely hate them. I despise them. I listen to it, and it's like, the the production is just like, sounds like it's been done by some shitty... Oh, God, I don't even know. Just like... (laughs) It's like they've got some guy who does jingles adverts to do the backing <laughs> music. Are we, are we actually really assessing the production me. of Steps now? Is that yeah, well, we I really... hate it. I hate it so much. It's like so this... straight down the middle I find it offensive. What about they're playing, um, at, uh, they're playing at Newcastle soon, supported by Venger Boys. Oh, Jesus Christ. Wasn't that the first album you ever owned, Michael? Am I right in saying that? Venger Boys. What, one of, yeah. It was one of them. Oh, yeah. Where do you stand on uh, S Club 7, Clive? Um, I think I've heard them slightly less, so probably less annoying. But I put them in the same boat. <laughs> Apparently, you were either an S Club Seven person or a Steps person. That's what someone no, at work told me. I would passionately say I was neither. <laughs> um. What about how, how, how do you feel about the um, the Irish pop band Bewitched? <laughs> probably better than those two, but I don't really know what's the Bewitched song. Um, Say la vie. And is blame, that, is that blame it on classic. the weather, man. Yeah, Sailor v- I don't think Sailor- there are any others. Way better than Steps. Sailor V is a classic. Is a classic, classic tune. My favourite line in it is not even a sung line. It's just where she just says, oh, "And I fight like me dad too," which is a <coughs> classic part of the song. Uh, look up the video as well. The music video is possibly the best thing you'll ever see. Um, On that, yeah. Please, how much, please, how everyone. How cool did we just shed there? Yeah, we just lost all the cool. Although my abuse of steps, I think, is up my cool rating. Yeah, but the fact Pitch that Pitchfork will be asking me to do some reviews pretty soon. <laughs> the fact, the fact that we discussed the production values of steps will get us some hipster points. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, ironic. We'll, we'll see a spike in Greenwich Village and Shoreditch, um, but you know, prob- probably a loss in real places. You know. <laughs> We'll see. Anyway, on videos, I've already mentioned it, but please, please, please watch the Idols video for Stendhal Syndrome. It is brilliant. It's just a guy pissing about in front of various priceless pieces of art. Um, but it's like literally they've just phoned, filmed it on an iPhone and there's like uh, these people in the background <laughs> staring at him all the time like, what the fuck is this guy doing? It sounds super. How dare he do this? <laughs> uh, and yeah, it's brilliant. And it, it's even funnier that some people thought Oh, what? Because the song is essentially going on about. It's like, did you see that painting? What Rothko did it looks like it's painted by a two-year-old kid. Is uh, one of the lyrics. <laughs> and people, people thought it was being serious and were like, oh, well, there's punk bands, you know, shitting on loads of good art. But um, it's quite obviously supposed <laughs> to be ironic. God, that track Stendhal syndrome is genius. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then yeah, it's clearly supposed to be ironic. So it's hilarious. Uh, <laughs> yeah, ch- check out the video. It's, I haven't laughed. Uh, that much for for a while, but I am um, people pulling stupid faces in serious situations does make me f- laugh quite a lot. So, or actually, serious faces in stupid situations. I think pulling silly dance move while pulling a serious face that's what makes me laugh. Um, yeah, check it out if that also makes you laugh. I don't know what sort of face I pull when I break dance because I definitely try to pull as serious face as possible and make the rest of me look as stupid as possible. That's my yeah. usual go-to. Sounds like a good plan. <laughs> anyway, Steps are shit. Bewitched, bit better. Whoa. <laughs> I mean, Steps, the, another annoying thing, the whole fucking, everything's, the whole name's capitalised. Fuck off. <laughs> How could he be any more offensive? <laughs> it's right. like, Steps! In your face. I'm going to call this a Keefley, a Keefley opinion. Uh, Keefley I don't know if that's opinion. Relatively controversial. I would say I would it's say. controversial to say that you think they're good. No, I don't think they're good. I just, you know, don't have any, you know, hatred towards them. You know, yeah, I'm surprised. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think it's because I was exposed to their music quite a lot. By I used to support a, a autistic guy who was obsessed with them, and oh my god. I did thought it, you. I, I thought steps? you. I thought you were going to say. I thought you were going to say that you've supported Steps on their tour. <laughs> I don't think I'd go down that well with their fan base. Where's the dance move? Would you? Here we go, Clive. Let, let's test your um, your artistic credibility. If Steps offered you a place on their tour, would you take it? Um, absolutely yes, and I would. Be, <laughs> I'd be as punk as fucking possible. Uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> and I think I'd probably gain credibility for that, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> what, for know. hanging out with steps? Well, I wouldn't have, yeah, I would just hang out with steps and then my supporting set would be the angriest set you've ever seen, which would then be followed by the most shitty pop music you've ever heard. So that'd be fun. <laughs> Juxtapositions. Yeah, that's what I'm going for. <laughs> that would be the name of the tour. Yes. Juxtapositions. <laughs> I mean, if steps, if steps wanted to do that, I'd be quite, you know, they would go up in my opinion. Well, there we go. Call Let's a tour put, juxtapositions and put out the message. A bit shit. Hmm. There's, there's still time to replace Venger Boys yet. <laughs> What's a Venger Boys song? <laughs> you don't know the Venger Boys. Boom, 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 them, boom. Uh, I want you I want in you. my room. To be fair, that's better than Step. Because it's like, <laughs> I don't know, that's somehow sort of admitting that it's shit. We're going to Ibiza. Yeah. Does, any, does any remember the urban legend that went around, uh, certainly when I was at school, that uh, the, the, the girls in the Venger Boys used to be boys and the boys used to be girls? Totally untrue. That's a fact. I mean, the only urban story which is true, which is like that, is the fact that um, the Wachowski brothers who made the, uh, the Matrix are now the Wachowski sisters. Did, did, oh. you know, did you know that? I did not know that, no. How's that an urban story? That's just known, isn't it? No, that's just known, yeah, sorry, yeah. It's not really... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a legend, it's not an it's urban legend. It's just a fact. It's, it's just a fact, yeah. yeah. I mean, I didn't know who the hell they were, but yeah, I was surprised, obviously, because having not known who they were and now knowing that they're now women also is a new piece of news. What about that actor who puts gerbils up his ass? Is that not true? <laughs> what? Who puts gerbils up Famous that? urban legend. I can't remember who it is. Richard Gere. Gerbils up his ass. Yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> you sure that's not Richard Maidley? <laughs> <laughs> More likely, yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, <laughs> Can't believe you've never heard that before. No, I haven't. <laughs> that's a yeah. new one to me. <laughs> yeah. Immortalised in the Eminem song, Fack. So, there you All go. Right. Michael, um, you've always, you're always wearing a watch. What time is it? Oh, uh, let me just check. Yeah, take your time, mate. No worries. It's take your time. Round about plug time, I think. Oh, oh yeah. hang on. <laughs> what, 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 what? Hit it, Clive. Brap! <laughs> at Stick Around Podcast on Twitter. <laughs> Stick Around Podcast at gmail.com on the internet. Stick Around. No. No, not on the internet. <laughs> on email. <laughs> email us on that. If you type that into your web address, it will come up with a DNS thing. Error, not found. You're being an idiot. Um, am I the only on this note? Am I the only person who still types in www? I cannot get rid of the habit. <laughs> I still. Every time that. I do it, I'm like at school, like putting in. Um, you know, the kids are like, can I? What's a washing machine? I'm like, right, I'll get you one on YouTube. <laughs> I type in www I'm like oh, fucking penis and then they're like you don't need to do that Mr Fisher I'm like yeah I know but I grew up when we did have to do it and I'm still doing it <laughs> <laughs> seven year olds telling you how to use the internet it makes you feel old um, but anyway yeah so you don't need to do that stickaroundpodcast.com will get you there that's on the interweb <laughs> facebook.com slash stickaroundpodcast for facebook uh, instagram.com com slash stick around podcast for instagram slash stick around on patreon uh, if you want to give us some money or you know give us you know give us some monthly money pays for our website costs pays give for us give us your fucking money keeps the boat floating we've got to replace panels now again wood isn't cheap on the high no, seas no but balsa wood just won't cut it you know not yeah. not with these stormy waters quite hard to steal as well because most ships seem to have metal at the minute yeah <laughs> which overrated in my opinion but so yeah quite hard to get hold of wood um, is there anything else we've got no I, I, belie- I believe that's it I believe that's it Roy you're not allowed to write to us anymore not after that blatant no. plagiarism anyone else <laughs> though, is, free, is free to write to, write to us yeah uh, preferably in a bottle because that's the most yeah. authentic way to receive mail <laughs> yeah on the high seas have we got a post address or does that not work have we got like a uh, port where you can uh, no, basically, you just put a letter inside a bottle, cork it up, and then just hoi it in the sea, and it will make its way. It was a bit eventual. Has it got to hit a rock on the way in? 
Uh, yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> Make sure it breaks its fall. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, um... Right. I think I believe we'll be back next time with films, I believe, or possibly books. Um, yeah, I think books is on the on the cards, and yeah, then it will. I think it's films after that, isn't it? It is, yeah. Which I am read. I think I'm ready for it. I don't know. I think I'm ready for it. Feel ready. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. It's it's goodbye from me. Uh, it's goodbye from Michael Johnson. Goodbye. And goodbye from Clive Fisher. Adios. And uh, we'll say it's goodbye from James Cable. He never turned up, but, you know, I'm sure no, he, he sent his love. He even he said he was going to have a quick meal and eat cum, and then he never did, so well, massive letdown. Shall I do okay. a quick review for him? Listen to some electronic music. It was well banging. Um, gave me shivers down my spine. That's another thing he sometimes says. Right. <laughs> yeah, you don't really need him, do we? You just get <laughs> I've run out now. <laughs> <laughs> right. See you later, guys. Thank you very much for coming. Uh, see you right. next time for books or movies. Yes, indeed. Thanks for coming. Bye, guys. See ya. Bye. Stick around. around. Hey. But it's fake. Happy to delude you. Do, 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 do. I knew you were trouble when you walked in. <laughs> Thank you all for listening. Rest assured that you have found The best podcast in the universe It's Stick Around